Hello, knowledge seekers. In this episode of 20 Minute Books, we'll be delving into The Fate of Rome by historian Kyle Harper. This fascinating read offers a fresh perspective on the decline of one of the most powerful empires in history, the Roman Empire. Harper, a seasoned scholar of Roman history and professor of classics and letters at the University of Oklahoma, combines a wealth of knowledge with groundbreaking insights into how climate and disease shaped Rome's destiny. With Harper's academic credentials, including his role as senior vice president and provost at the university, and his backed experience with other award-winning books, this work stands out in its field. The fate of Rome appeals not just to aficionados of Roman historical narratives, but also to those interested in the intricate relationship between the environment, pandemics, and the course of human events. This book provides a compelling narrative bridge between past and present concerns, raising thought-provoking questions about the forces that can shape or topple civilizations. Whether you're a fan of ancient history, concerned about the modern implications of climate change, or simply curious about the factors leading to the fall of great empires, The Fate of Rome is an essential read that sheds light on the complex interplay of human and natural forces throughout history. Join us as we condense the essence of this book's illuminating scholarship into a captivating summary. The Fate of Rome, Climate, Disease, and the End of an Empire. Introduction. Discover how the forces of nature shaped the Roman Empire's destiny. When we explore the corridors of history, we often visualize a grand tapestry woven by the ambitions and conflicts of legendary figures. Yet, beyond the bustle of battle cries and political intrigue, a silent protagonist has always played its part, nature itself. In the vault of time, climate and environment have held sway over empires, shaping their fortunes with an often overlooked potency. Scientists have unearthed the climatic secrets of our planet, encoded in ancient tree rings, ice cores from age-old glaciers, stalactites from the depths of caverns, and even within the bones of our ancestors. This surge of ecological insight has gifted historians a rich canvas to understand the context in which civilizations thrived and waned. The saga of the Roman Empire is deeply entwined with an era of climatic peculiarity, a period where the whims of weather played a pivotal role in both its ascendancy and its downfall. To consider Rome's monumental history is to also acknowledge how deeply it was rooted in and influenced by the environment. Embark on this journey and you'll unravel the climatic jackpot that fortified Rome's ascent to power, the nutritional enigmas behind the stature of the ancient Romans, the mysterious circumstances that triggered a year devoid of summer. Part 1. Rome rode the wave of a warmth that boosted its golden era. Picture the ancient Roman Empire its citizens partaking in a world that was unforgiving, where life's precariousness was ever-present. Childhood seldom escaped the specter of mortality, and to live beyond twenty-five was to have danced with luck a thousand times. Without the conveniences of modern mobility and connectivity, the empire's pulse was slow yet persistent. Even with these odds, the Romans constructed an empire like no other, 
weaving through Europe into Africa and Asia. The burgeoning cities and the swelling multitudes therein drew deeply from the earth's bounty, yet they were spared the ravages of widespread famine or the plight of cultivating unwilling land. The key message here is, Rome rode the wave of a warmth that bolstered its epoch of prosperity. By the second century AD, the Roman war machine rested, and peace spread its wings across the empire's expanse. The economy thrived, nourishment was plentiful, and even the humblest laborer found his wages on the rise. The secret to Rome's golden age lay in a fortunate twist of climate known as the Roman Climate Optimum, or RCO. This phase of pleasant warmth and generous rains blessed the earth from the last two centuries BC, well into the AD era. During the RCO, the sun's embrace was tender and strong, warming the world to degrees unmatched even by the last century and a half of contemporary history. Bolstering this warm spell was an almost complete absence of volcanic disruptions, thus averting the chill that volcanic ash can cast by shielding earth from the sun's full glow. Under such a nurturing sky, the Romans farmed lands that were otherwise barren in today's world. Mountainsides flourished with wheat and vines. North Africa, now a net grain importer, was once the fertile cornucopia for vast realms of Rome. Yet this period of climatic grace had a shadow side. Rome's sprawling trade networks and dense population hubs became fertile grounds for diseases to take root and spread. Even as the environment favoured them, the elements of their time sowed seeds of vulnerability within the heart of Rome. Part 2. Illness was a constant companion in the lives of ancient Romans. The tapestry of humanity is adorned with diverse threads, each a distinct group with traits shaped by their environment. Take a glance at the varied average heights of populations around the globe, and you'll notice the significant impact nutrition has on physical development. It's no secret that some nations have witnessed their citizens shoot up in height during times of robust economic growth and improved diets. Just look at the Dutch. From an average stature of around 164, 165 centimeters in the mid-19th century, they've soared nearly 20 centimeters since then, thanks to better nutrition. But the ancient Romans, they were a modest bunch in terms of height, with men averaging 164 centimeters and women 152 centimeters. It's a curiosity, especially since both those who came before and after them in Italy were taller. Despite a relatively decent diet that included animal and marine proteins, the Romans fell short, quite literally, and it was likely diseases that stunted their growth. The key message here is, illness was a constant companion in the lives of ancient Romans. The same bountiful environment that supported Rome's rise also nursed an array of pathogens. The empire's dense urban centers and extensive trade routes became highways for disease, allowing infections to zip efficiently across populations. Moreover, Rome was dirty, an expansive playground for parasites. Though ingenious aqueducts ushered in water to drink and bathe in and ushered out some of the urban filth, sewage management was grossly inadequate. Private latrines were a rarity, and most waste ended up in pits or pots which ironically found their way back into the fields as sought-after fertilizer. This grotesque cycle meant that common parasites, such as roundworm and tapeworm, were probably persistent plagues. Analyzing patterns of mortality provides further insight. 
The late summer to early autumn was a grim season, ripe for foodborne illnesses such as typhoid and dysentery to flourish. For the aged, winter exacted the harshest toll, breeding deadly respiratory afflictions. Amid this unending siege of sickness, the Romans' fragile health met its nemesis in the Antonine Plague, a devastating epidemic that took an immense toll on the population. Part 3. The Antonine Plague brought the Roman economy to its knees. Envision ancient Rome, a civilization that not only rose to monumental heights, but was nestled amid the peculiar charm and risk of swamplands. The very lifeblood of the sprawling capital with its ornate fountains and lush gardens inadvertently created a paradise for an insidious foe, the mosquito. In these marshy climes, mosquitoes were not simply a nuisance, but the harbingers of death, spreading the fevered chills of malaria throughout the populace. Yet even malaria's grim dance was overshadowed when the Antonine Plague descended upon the empire with a fury that would shake the very foundations of Roman might. The key message here is, the Antonine Plague brought the Roman economy to its knees. Shrouded in the mists of legend, the Antonine Plague was thought to have been unleashed during the pillage of Seleucia. As a Roman soldier dared open a chest within Apollo's sacred precinct, unfurling a curse of pestilential vapor upon the empire. Reality tells us the true harbinger of this calamity was likely smallpox, a disease that had entwined itself within Roman borders well before the mythic precinct was breached. AD 166 saw the plague's ghastly grip tighten around Rome, persisting with ruthless tenacity for over eight years. Even Rome's rudimentary health system, with its semblance of nursing care, could only dampen the devastation. The exact toll of the plague is buried in history's depths, yet the estimated number of lives claimed swings wildly from a meager 2% to a harrowing one-third of the entire population. The malady left the Roman legions particularly depleted, driving Emperor Marcus Aurelius to enlist slaves, gladiators, and outlaws to fill the ranks. Adding to this sorrow, the silver mines that fed the empire's coffers began to falter in the late AD 160 SS, and economic turmoil swiftly followed. As the death count mounted, land lost both its workers and its value, productivity plummeted, and labor grew scarce as the empire reeled from this blow. The Antonine Plague did not deliver the killing stroke to the Roman Empire, but it deeply scarred its once robust system, leaving it fragile in the wake of future calamities. Part 4. Rome's grandeur dims as it faces its first significant decline. Travel back to Rome in AD 248 and stroll through its storied streets. At a fleeting look, the grandeur of a past empire steeped in glory still lingers, but linger longer, and the cracks begin to appear. Prosperity has waned, stability has wobbled, and even the coin in your pocket lacks the heft of pure silver, now just a base metal shrouded in a deceptive sheen. This was the era of Rome's first fall, a time shadowed by drought, disease, and the threat of barbarian swords at its gates. The key message here is, Rome faced its first significant decline in the 3rd century. Rewind to AD 244 and meet Emperor Philip, an aristocrat whose rise to power initially promised a return to stability. 
only to be quickly overshadowed by revolts and foreign attacks. Philip's demise in AD 248 set off a tumultuous chain of events, where throne-seekers clawed for power, each more fleeting than the last. Meanwhile, the climate shifted beneath their feet. The warmth of the Roman climate optimum receded, making way for the late Roman transition and its ushering in of a chillier, harsher climate. Alpine glaciers that had retreated for centuries now advanced once more. A punishing drought plagued North Africa and Palestine, while the Nile, the lifeblood of the region, struggled to flood and nourish the land. In the empire's weakened state arrived the plague of Cyprian in AD 249, a scourge that may have been akin to modern-day Ebola. It was relentless for 13 years, stripping the city of thousands each day. By the AD 260s, the empire itself seemed to break apart. With the silver in Roman coins dwindling, the stability of currency, and with it, the economy, began to crumble. This tumult, combined with military setbacks and the fragmentation of imperial power, culminated in the assassination of Emperor Gallienus in AD 268. In the wake of these crises, Claudius II emerged as a beacon of reform. Under his watch, the empire embarked on a path of recovery, clawing back from its fall and setting the stage for a renewed era of imperial splendor. Part 5. Roman resurgence shines briefly before a second, lasting fall. In the waning centuries of the first millennium, despite enduring its first fall, the Roman Empire remained a force without rival. This era witnessed visionary reforms that would briefly propel Rome back into a semblance of its former glory. The Emperor Diocletian set in motion a revolutionary governance structure, the Tetrarchy, a rule of four to expertly manage the empire's vast territories. The military was revitalized, the currency regained its value, and markets began to flourish anew. After Diocletian, it was Constantine who ascended, a complex leader who further centralized power by establishing a secondary senate in the newly thriving eastern capital of Constantinople. Within the span of a mere century, its population surged from 30,000 to 300,000. A golden age seemed within grasp once more, but it was not to be the last of Rome's turmoil. The key message here is, the Roman Empire mounted a comeback after its initial decline, but it was not to endure. Constantine's leadership heralded an era of internal stability that found its echo in the external world. A gentle climate, consistent rainfall, and a reprieve from pervasive disease and volcanic disruptions. Yet, Beyond the borders of Rome, in the sprawling Eurasian steppe, an environmental and political crisis was brewing. Arid conditions and food scarcity triggered waves of mass migrations westward. In the midst of these grand movements in the mid to late 300 SS was the Hunnic tribe, fierce warriors whose prowess and advanced armaments sent the Goths, the steppe's western dwellers, fleeing. As a flood of over 100,000 Gothic refugees poured into Roman lands in AD 376, the circumstances took a grim turn. The empire's handling of the Goths, marked by callousness and exploitation, ultimately ignited a rebellion. At the Battle of Adrianople on August 9, AD 378, the Romans suffered a staggering defeat, 
the bloodbath was unparalleled, with estimates of 20,000 Roman soldiers perishing, and the military never truly rebounded from the loss. What followed was the Western Roman Empire's gradual but inexorable demise. It was a two-pronged collapse. First, the Goths' relentless attacks that culminated in Rome's sack in 405, followed by the savage incursions of Attila's Huns into Gaul and Italy in the AD 450s. By AD 476, the Western Roman Empire faded into oblivion. Although the eastern half continued to flourish, the dream of a united Roman dominion had vanished into the annals of history. Part 6. The Eastern Roman Empire reels under the onslaught of a devastating plague. Venture into the great city of Constantinople during the 5th and 6th centuries, and you'd find yourself amidst a bustling cosmopolitan sprawl, a place where the air buzzed with the sounds of diverse tongues and trade flourished. Yet among its throngs of people, unwelcome guests, the black rat known as Rattus Rattus, scurried about, unwitting sentinels of devastation. These rats carried within them a passenger of death, a bacterial agent that would later become infamous as the Black Death. However, long before it scourged medieval Europe, this harbinger of woe had already struck a crippling blow on the shores of Egypt and within the Roman Empire beginning in AD 541. The key message here is, bubonic plague dealt a devastating blow to the Eastern Roman Empire. The Black Rat, originally hailing from Southeast Asia, had an affinity for travel and grain, propensity which allowed them to stow away aboard Roman trade vessels traversing the Red Sea and Indian Ocean. It wasn't the rat, per se, that was the menace, but rather a bacterium known as Yersinia pestis, which it inadvertently played host to. Why? Pestis usually persisted quietly within the rodent populations of marmots or gerbils until the contagion was passed along by fleas that bit an infected animal and then hopped on rats. As the rat hosts succumbed, the fleas, losing their primary food source, turned to human hosts. The bubonic plague was a formidable killer, particularly in an era devoid of modern healthcare and antibiotics. Before the plague's onset, Constantinople boasted a population nearing half a million souls. If contemporary accounts are correct, the city witnessed a staggering death toll of approximately 300,000, a catastrophic halving wrought by the disease. The scourge of bubonic plague persisted, waxing and waning over two centuries from AD 541 to AD 749. A backdrop of climatic cold spells provided the ideal conditions for the disease's spread, conditions that, coincidentally, acted the part in sealing the fate of an empire already strained beyond its limits. Part 7. The Chill of the Little Ice Age signaled an end to the Roman Empire's resilience. Amidst the crumbling stones of a once undefeated empire, the Roman world faced more than just the wrath of the Black Death. In AD 535, disaster struck from the skies, a volcanic eruption of such magnitude that it shrouded the world in ash and dimmed the sun's rays, marking the chilling commencement of what was to become the year without a summer. 
but this was merely one bell in a funeral toll of climate aberrations that struck during the 5th and 6th centuries. Another volcanic winter loomed in AD 540 to 541, the cold tightening its suffocating grip. Europe's summer in AD 536 suffered a staggering temperature drop of 2.5 degrees Celsius, the hallmark of a frigid period known as the Late Antique Little Ice Age. In concert with the relentless spread of bubonic plague, this cold spell ushered the empire towards its dying breaths. The key message here is, the Roman Empire succumbed to the impacts of the late antique Little Ice Age. The grim cold of AD 536 spelled disaster for crops, though the harshness of famine was mitigated by the preceding year's bounteous yield and healthy grain reserves. Yet, while the empire held on, elsewhere in the world, in lands like Ireland and China. Famine gnawed mercilessly, betraying the global reach of these catastrophic climate changes. Population numbers dwindled sharply. Rome itself may have been home to a mere 10 to 20,000 souls. Once thriving settlements faded into ghostly echoes. Gothic tribes wandered through the abandoned expanses of Spain, Gaul and Italy as nature began reclaiming the cultivated lands that had once fed the empire's bustling western cities. The eastern Roman army fared no better, weakened by the plague and monetary strains that eroded their capacity for defense. When the Persians captured Alexandria in 641, the vital grain shipments to Constantinople ceased, striking a crippling blow to the heart of the empire's sustenance. In the ensuing years, the last vestiges of imperial might were asphyxiated by the lingering plague. Emperor Heraclius watched over the final falterings of Roman control in the early 640s. Arab forces spanning diverse faiths swept in to claim the empire's former territories. Though Constantinople lingered, the grandeur that was Rome, the empire that had commanded the ancient world, had irrevocably fallen. Final summary. In the annals of history, the emergence and decline of the Roman Empire stand as a testament to the inexorable forces of nature intertwining with human endeavor. Scientific strides in climate history have peeled back the layers of time, revealing a much clearer picture of the environmental stage upon which the Romans acted out their centuries-long drama. The latter stage of Rome's story is marked by a climatic seesaw that profoundly affected its trajectory. The beneficial conditions of the Roman climate optimum, with its warm temperatures and abundant rainfall, gave way around AD 150. What followed was a time of climatic tumult, marked by volcanic winters, a chilling little ice age and merciless plagues that scythed through the population. The empire, already beleaguered by internal strife and external threats, found itself grappling with this barrage of ecological adversities. By the early 600s, the once mighty realm had acquiesced to the surging power of the Arab Caliphate, and the sun set over the vast territories that had once basked in the light of Rome's rule. Thank you for joining me today on this journey of learning and discovery as we explored the insights of another thought-provoking book in our growing library of knowledge.
If you've enjoyed our time together, please take a moment to follow our podcast, give us a five-star rating, and share 20-minute books with other knowledge seekers. Your support truly means a lot. Don't forget to join me again in the next episode, where we will delve into another enriching book. Until then, happy reading and happy listening.